the, well, actually the straw that broke the camel's back was when, um, I was at an appointment at about 29 weeks and my OB had tried to get me to sign off on a C-section ahead of time. Oh gosh. <laughs> and I, and I said, well, I don't need a C-section. Why would I have to sign this now at 29 weeks? And I just thought that was the strangest thing. And she got so incredibly defensive over it and telling me, well, what if your baby is too large to, for you to push out? And I said, well, first of all, that doesn't happen. Cause at that time I had known the statistics and I had read all these things in natural hospital birth. And I said, um, but even if that were the case, couldn't I, <laughs> couldn't I say I, I could have a C-section, you know, at that point. Welcome to the happy home birth podcast your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. How do you afford a home birth? In the words of the wise women from Beautiful One Midwifery, you assign more value to it. Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 146 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we are speaking with Amanda, who realized just how much value there was in giving birth in a private environment and how the cost of hospital births aren't always what they seem. Before we jump in, I want to take just a second to tell you about the most sustainable, nutrient-dense salt in the world. First of all, did you know that you give 10% of your minerals to your baby before birth? Yeah, so minerals are a pretty big deal, and I wish that I would have known about Crucial 4's Icelandic sea salt when I was pregnant. This is the most mineral-dense sea salt that's been found to date, and it contains three times more magnesium and two times more potassium than Celtic salt. I know it sounds ridiculous, but you will taste a difference, and if you are anything like me, you'll be salting everything, including your chocolate milk. Yes, do it. It's a game changer. It's also the perfect safe cure for sore throats during pregnancy when you don't want to be using medications. I gargled this salt with some warm water a couple of weeks ago and my sore throat was gone instantly. So go check out Crucial 4. Might I recommend the one pound bag of salt? You'll be surprised at how much you use when your salt is this delicious. Use the code HOMEBIRTH10 for a special listener discount. I will have that below in the show notes. And a huge thank you to this week's reviewer of the week, and that is Johanna Cunningham. Wonderful podcast. I don't normally listen to podcasts, but a friend, home birthing mom, showed it to me, and I can't get enough. So many great birthing stories and techniques used. We weren't able to get a midwife for our first pregnancy, but with this baby, we finally found one. So excited for this journey, and this podcast is helping me prepare so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Johanna. If you would email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I would love to send you a Happy Home Birth podcast sticker. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a bit and you've found it encouraging, would you take a second to leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts? It's a free, easy way to get this content in front of more mothers who may be interested. 
Okay, let's jump into this wonderful episode with Amanda. Please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And the show is not meant to prescribe or treat. It's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Oh my gosh, thank you so much to ha- for having me, Caitlin. I'm thrilled to have you. It's always very extra exciting to me when I get to speak with someone who is actually a, a graduate of Happy Home Birth Academy. So thank you for being willing to come on and share your experiences with us. No, thank you. And honestly, I am honored to be here and I'm like so appreciative of the work that you do not like just on the podcast, which I'm a huge fan of the podcast, but um, your educational resources as well and everything that you do for the for the home birth community. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Would you mind taking a moment just to introduce yourself and your family to the listeners? Sure. So my name is Amanda Salovich and I live in Wyndham, Maine, which is um, in the greater Portland area with my family, uh, my husband, Ross, and then we have three beautiful children. Ivy, who is almost five years old, Tatum, uh, my second daughter, who's about three and a half, and then our newest son, who just joined us this month on July 2nd, um, Roman, um, and and um, I work from home. So I, I work for a large bank from home. My husband works for a concrete company, and then we do a lot of real estate investing on the side. So we have a very full life to say the least. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Also, I am really, really wanting to visit Maine. My brother lives up in Connecticut and he goes to Portland and loves it. And so that is one of my goals is to go visit Maine. Maybe So maybe this fall, I'll come give you a visit. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Beautiful in the fall. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Well, I would love to hear your first pregnancy. What what was it like for you getting pregnant? What was that journey like? And then let's just jump into that pregnancy. Yeah. So um, when my husband and I got married, we uh, we actually got married because we knew we wanted to start a family. We had been together for like over seven years at the time. And so we thought, you know, maybe we should do this whole marriage thing so that we can start um, trying for a family. And so not too long after our wedding in 2015, we Um, found out that we were pregnant with our first daughter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like most other people, I just went and saw my OB. I I hadn't really, you know, even been to the OB in a while. And so, you know, just that's where you go, right? And so I was really lucky to be pregnant at the exact same time as my older sister. And we were only just a few weeks apart from each other um, in our pregnancies. And so she's the person who really started asking me like some of the hard questions in pregnancy, like, what are you going to do for this? And what about, um, you know, all these terms and things that I, I had never even really heard of. And so she had mentioned to me um, that she had watched a documentary, The Business of Being Born. Of course, it was on Netflix at the time. So a lot of people were watching it. And she's like, you've got to watch this. And I just remember not being even that interested. And <laughs> you know, as I started to get further along in my pregnancy, I thought, you know, maybe I should start like looking some of these things up. I should know what's going on. And so I watched it. And obviously that was um, a game changer for me. And I started looking into other things. Um, And one of the things I did was I went to a bookstore and I was looking for books on natural birth. 
And I thought, you know, I'd like to, you know, try having a natural birth. I never thought I would give birth at home at this time. Mm -hmm. And so there was this book called natural hospital birth. And it really was like life-changing for me. It was the amount of information in there and all the terms and the things that uh, it went over every single intervention that could happen in the hospital. Um, and I started to ask a lot of questions at my OB appointments and I felt, you know, not supported in wanting to have a natural birth in the first place, but then a lot of other strange things, strange conversations would happen every time. And I would feel so uncomfortable going. And I remember calling my sister after every time just saying, I don't think they support this. I don't think they understand. Um, for example, that, well, actually the straw that broke the camel's back was when um, I was at an appointment at about 29 weeks and my OB had tried to get me to sign off on a C-section ahead of time. Oh gosh. <laughs> and I, and I said, well, I don't need a C-section. Why would I have to sign this now at 29 weeks? And I just thought that was the strangest thing. And she got so incredibly defensive over it and telling me, well, what if your baby is too large to, for you to push out? And I said, well, first of all, that doesn't happen. Cause at that time I had known the statistics and I had read all these things in natural hospital birth. And I said, um, but even if that were the case, couldn't I, <laughs> couldn't I say I, I could have a C-section, you know, at that point, <laughs> why would I have to sign permission now? Are you going to whisk me away without telling me? Like, it just seemed like such an odd thing for me to sign. And I wouldn't sign it. And I left that day. And at this time, my sister had already changed to um, midwifery care through through a hospital. So there is basically a, a group of midwives who are affiliated with the hospital. And um, it's so funny because I remember thinking at the time, this is like some hippie stuff, like <laughs> going to a midwife, like what, what? So she said, no, you have to go here. Like, it will be such a different experience. And so I ended up calling them and transferring care at 29 weeks. Um, and they were great. And especially in comparison to having been at that other practice, they were so accommodating to all the questions I would have. The appointments were like an hour long. They were really big on me educating myself. And that's the thing about uh, my experience with OB care is they never talk to you about nutrition. They never talk to you about how to learn more about I me. Mean, this is my first pregnancy. They never talked to me about how I can learn more. They just said, don't eat, you know, tuna fish. And, <laughs> and even it went as far as for my, my obstetrician to tell me to, or recommend that I start eating ice cream to gain more weight. And oh. that was like 15 weeks. I'm like, am I supposed to have gained a ton of weight by now? I, and I just, you know, I didn't understand nutrition then as well as I do now, but even then I was, it was a little bit cringeworthy, like, you know, refined sugar, you know, this early on, like, mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like something a doctor, um, should recommend. It seemed very odd to me. And so, um, you know, the midwives were, it was just different and, and it was very welcoming and, um, they definitely supported my choice to have a natural birth. And, but what ended up happening was I was diagnosed with preeclampsia way, way at the end of my pregnancy. Um, and it came on quickly and, um, it was, you know, I ended up having to be induced and that was a lot, that was the one thing that I really wanted to avoid. So I was very upset that that happened. However, I knew there was nothing I could do at that point. It was a pretty, 
pretty obvious case of preeclampsia. I was having a lot of bad headaches and I quickly swelled up, um, very high blood pressure. And so I now believe um, that that preeclampsia diagnosis is due to my diet at the time. I, mm. I had been a vegetarian for almost a decade um, and I just didn't, I wasn't educated on, on nutrition during pregnancy the way that I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was able to prevent that in subsequent pregnancies. And I'll talk a little bit about how I did that um, once I moved to that part. But, but basically that, that birth um, was an induced birth in the hospital that lasted over 30 hours before oh. I ended up getting an um, epidural. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it, there was a lot of, it was a long pushing. Um, I couldn't feel anything. So I had a lot of stitches. Mm. Um, I had a horrible recovery from that. I, I still have b- pain in my back um, to this day where, where I had my epidural and um, I, I couldn't feel my bladder for um, almost weeks after I would stand up out of bed and I would just lose my bladder when I never even felt like I had to go. So I think wow. that some, like some sort of effect um, on the feeling. And so it was just, it's, it's tough when you have a birth like that, that's so different than what you're expecting or planning. I didn't realize at the time, like how traumatic it was for me because I was busy taking care of a newborn. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until I, I ended up having a, a surprise pregnancy. Um, I'm getting, I got pregnant when I was breastfeeding full time. So that can happen. <laughs> out there. Um, it happened to me when my daughter, my first daughter was about seven months. And mm-hmm. so I had gone back to the midwives and I said, what, you know, how am I pregnant? I didn't even have a period. And the midwife was joking with me. She's like, well, you would have this month. you ovulated first (laughs) exactly and so um it was a great surprise though and I you know I my husband and I were just talking about this I don't know if we had would have chose to have another child for a long time Mm -hmm. if we didn't have this surprise pregnancy and we're so grateful that we did um because we probably wouldn't have decided to have another child until now um And, and then we would have missed out on our special uh, little Tatum. So right. with Tatum's birth, I wanted to have a home birth. Um, and I knew that that would be my best chance at having the natural birth that I wanted. Um, however, my insurance didn't cover it. And it sounded like a lot of money at the time, but I never really looked too far into it. And it's really shame on me because um well, I'll explain why in a second, but I, ha- I did a lot of preparation this time. And I believe that, um, you know, preeclampsia is, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Brewer's diet. Oh yeah. Yeah. So basically Dr. Tom Brewer, you know, 70 years ago, um, he basically believed that preeclampsia was completely, um, due to poor nutrition. And so some of the, um, principles in his diet are, um, eating over 2,600 calories, um, salting your food, eating, um, you know, 80 to 150 grams of protein. And so, um, I had really placed it. I was still a vegetarian for that birth and, but I had placed, a um, more importance on new, on nutrition and, um, exercise and keeping my stress levels low. And so I didn't, you have one in three chance of having preeclampsia again, if you've had it had it once. 
And so I was really nervous during that pregnancy. I ended up not having it. Um, and I ended up having a really nice, uh, natural birth in the hospital. And so it was, you know, everything that I wanted the first time that I didn't get, and it was an easy, well, I wouldn't say easy. It was like a 24 hour labor. Um, most of it was at home, but it it was during a blizzard. So we had to go to the hospital a little bit sooner than I would have liked. Um, however, when I got there, I was six centimeters and I only thought I was a couple of centimeters. So I was very, very happy. And, um, and I only had to labor at the hospital for a few hours. And then I ended up giving birth in the tub, which I had not planned on, but I happened to be in there when the fetal ejection reflex kicked in. And so I wasn't (laughs) moving. Yep. (laughs) And I was a little bit surprised of the because the labor was so great and I was in such a good headspace and I so on top of um, the waves, I was a little bit shocked at the pushing stage. Mm. And um, so that was, you know, really, really tough, but it only lasted about an hour. Um, And then after it was, you know, it was, I was just so happy that I, you know, was, I did it. Right. And then what happened after that was, that night, um, because it was a blizzard, the pediatrician who was on call couldn't be there. And she started calling me in the night at the hospital right after I gave birth. And she had heard that I declined uh, vitamin K. Oh, sinful. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, I tried to explain to her, you know, she was trying to tell me she was just using scare tactics, not really giving me any information on it, but just kind of telling me that your baby can die and, you know, all of these horrible things. And I knew the risk and I knew um, the risk benefits. And I had listened to, or I had read at the time, evidence-based birth um, on vitamin K. I knew what the risks were. And honestly, no, I'll be honest. I didn't know what the risks were because I still feel like there's a lot of, um, question about what the risks even are still, Mm -hmm. uh, with vitamin K. And I think that, um, the risks are unknown and there could be a reason why our babies are born with such low levels of vitamin K. And we, we have yet to under fully understand why they're born like that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, she was very pushy and she called multiple times and it, it got to the point where it was really frustrating for me. I was trying to nurse my newborn, Um, we were trying to sleep. Um, and then the next day, so when she was born, um, in the tub, she had meconium in, um, that came like right out into the tub. So it got into her hair a little Mm -hmm. bit. And so the next day she was laying, we had laid her down and it was like a white, um, towel under her. And some of that from her hair got onto the towel and the, she had also been spitting up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. She came out um, pretty quickly at the end. Um, and so she had been spitting up. And one of the nurses said, did she spit up um, this? And it was, you know, the meconium. Mm-hmm. And I was said, well, I don't think so. Geez, I don't know. I didn't see. And my husband had been standing with her. And he's like, I don't know. And he, wow. he, he wasn't sure. And so basically they had told the pediatrician what had happened and that we weren't sure if she had spit that up or if it had just like come off of her hair. And um, so the pediatrician came in and she said, um, 
we're going to have to, she hadn't seen my baby. She didn't even look at her. I was holding her at this time. She was nursing. She had gone poop. She had gone pee. You know, she was perfect. And she said, we're not sure if she has a twisted bowel and uh, we need to send her to the NICU, which was at a completely separate hospital. And it was down the road, but it was a different hospital. And she said, we're going to have to transfer her. And I was so taken back and shocked and thinking, you haven't even seen her. Like she, anybody can tell she didn't have a twisted bowel. And I was in a really vulnerable state. And she's telling me, if you don't do this, she can die. And um, just saying horrible things. I was hysterically crying and she was telling me these things. And, and before looking at my baby, she said, um, so if she needs a surgery over there, we need to do the vitamin K now. And I was thinking, what quota do you have to meet that you're, (laughs) this is so important. You know, I said, well, if she needs a surgery, we will cross that bridge when we get there. I'm not Mm going to do something preemptively. Um, and so she was very angry and she left and she never looked at my, at my baby. That's not even a very common thing in general. I mean, that that's pretty rare. Um, but I was so like, when somebody tells you right after you give birth that your baby can die, if you don't choose to do this, it's Mm -hmm. very, and and it's not something I'm educated on the vitamin K I, I was educated on and I could decline that and feel really good about it. Mm -hmm. This was different. Like I, I didn't know, and I didn't want to risk it. I didn't know, you know, I just was scared. Right. And, um, so they transferred her. And at that point I had no postpartum care. My care had to stop because I had to get into a car and drive over, um, to the NICU where there, you know, there's nowhere for a mom or a dad to stay. There's like a chair. Yeah. And so that second night we spent sitting on a chair at one point, there was no bathroom even nearby. I would have to walk all the way down the hallway. And I remember like walking down the hallway and having this huge blood clot just fall out. And I'm just like crying, walking down the hall in the NICU by myself into this hallway bathroom that the you know, nurses use and just thinking this is horrible. Like, and it was hard to get out of there. And, and even though there was nothing wrong with her, um, it took a while for us to leave because they have to do, you know, certain tests. And, um, I wasn't able to breastfeed her for like 12 hours. The whole thing was just more trauma and it was sad and it was it was heartbreaking because the birth had been exactly what I wanted and then I had this situation happen and then the cherry on top was that it cost me eight thousand dollars out of pocket to have this birth and then this NICU stay and so a um, home birth costs about four thousand dollars in the state of Maine and so (laughs) that is after that birth, I knew if I ever did have another child, I would 100% um, not go anywhere near a hospital. (laughs) Wow. Oh my word. What a, what a frustrating experience to, like you said, to, to achieve what you were hoping to achieve in the sense of your birth. And then, and then almost like this spiteful, it sounds like situation with this pediatrician to just throw everything topsy-turvy when you are in this incredibly vulnerable state. Yeah. And it, yeah, it was, it was definitely, um, hard. It was hard. How did that affect your long-term postpartum? 
Um, I think I recovered quickly because I had to, I felt so bad for, um, my daughter that my husband and I just like, were so attentive to her and just wanting to make sure she was okay. She had to have like IVs in her head and just all of these horrible things. So we, we moved on quickly because that's what you do, right? You have this newborn and you go home and you just go on with your life. But as the, the past couple of years have gone by and I think about it, I get angry to this day, I get angry about it. And so I knew if I ever had another birth, I would have a lot of work to do mm-hmm. um, because of those two experiences. Hey mamas, I'm going to interrupt for just a second to let you know that I have a totally new, totally free home birth guide for you. It's called the top eight home birth resources checklist, and it is full of clickable links that will take you to the best podcast episodes, educational resources, and classes regarding home birth in order to get you ready for this life altering experience. What in? Just head to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash top eight to get your hands on it. Okay, back to the episode. Yep. And so then let's talk about that. You had you had a bit of time between between that that pregnancy and birth and then this one. So what was that journey like? And then what was it like becoming pregnant for this third time? Yes. So um my husband and I decided not long before we got pregnant that we wanted to have a third child. Mm-hmm. Um, he really wanted a son. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. He got <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, so like last summer um, in August, we were on vacation and I thought I might um, be pregnant. And so I had taken a test and I found out that I wasn't, but it was through that experience that I thought, you know, maybe I would want to have a third child. Mm -hmm. And so I think my husband got a little excited too. And so the conversations became more and more open because he had always said no. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think after that, he was a little bit excited too. And so we decided to um, try. And after like one month, we found out that we were pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so we were super excited. Um, and then, um, it was a, it was an interesting time though, because obviously this is in the middle of the pandemic. There's a lot of stress. And then on top of that, um, a week after I found out I was pregnant, we, our middle child was diagnosed with a rare genetic disease. Mm. And so she had broken multiple bones. And so it's, it's called brittle bone disease, um, is one term for it. And so we, We got that news like so soon after that we were kind of not regretting our decision to have another child, but kind of like, okay, what does this look like now? What are the risks of us having another child? Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were kind of in a place of unknown and a little bit worried Um, and also dealing with our child who had, she was not even three years old and had two broken legs at the Mm -hmm. time. Um, And so I don't even really remember a lot of my early pregnancy, to be honest with you, because I was so busy with that. And we had to wait several weeks to find out um, if we had the genetic mutation and, and what the chances were of our, of having a third child um, have the same genetic disease. And so after we found out that we didn't have it, we were relieved and kind of able to move on from that. And my daughter has healed and she's mm-hmm. actually doing really, really well now. Um, wow. So, um, that was a challenging time. Um, and you know, so because the beginning went by so quickly, 
I was kind of trying to catch up um, on um, getting everything. Well, actually, I'd, I had already got, gotten a midwife. And so prior to even getting pregnant, I, um, I had a friend who I knew had had a home birth. And I reached out to her to ask um, who she even used around here for home birth. And so she had recommended um, Sacopee Valley Midwives, and they're local to me. And so I had met with them and um, they're so wonderful. It's um, Brenda and Acadia, and then they have two assistant midwives as well. And so I like that it's a group of midwives because you know that there's always going to be somebody available Mm -hmm. um, versus just having like one that you're counting on to, you know, be there whenever the event happens. And so that made me really comfortable in choosing. Um, So I had that good recommendation. And then I met with Brenda and one of the questions I had asked her was, have you had home births yourself? And she said, oh yes, yes I have. And she had been, she's been at like over, she's caught over 600 babies and Mm -hmm. so much experience. And then she said, actually one of my children I gave birth to um, on the farm in Tennessee. And so that kind of sealed the deal for me. I was like, that's pretty cool. (laughs) That is awesome. This is awesome. So um, I had decided to go with them and that their, their care is, you know, even you know, a step further from the in-hospital midwives where they come to you and they talk to you and they, they can talk through those traumatic experiences with you. And they have so many recommendations on resources of things to read and, um, diet related stuff. And so, um, I felt like a little bit like a celebrity, honestly, because they would come to your house and you're sitting on your couch and they draw your blood and it's like, wow, like, I don't have to drive and sit in a waiting room somewhere. It was, it was really, really nice. Um, and they were so sweet. And so I did a lot of, um, mental preparation this time. So, so this time going into the, the home birth, I, I was a little bit fearful of that pushing stage just because I had, I knew what I was getting myself into at this point. And so, um, I wanted to be really educated on the tools that I would have um, during birth. And I'm a big believer that like you get out of birth, what you put into it. Mm -hmm. And so um, the preparation is like key in my mind and a lot of meditation. Um, And so because we were so busy uh, in the beginning of pregnancy, I, I felt like my husband felt a little bit disconnected to this pregnancy. We weren't seeing each other a lot. We're working a lot. And so I had obviously listened to your entire podcast <laughs> Actually, before, since before I got pregnant, I had started listening to it. So, um, I would listen every week to the new episodes and, um, that's where I've kept hearing about happy home birth Academy. And so I thought, um, we had done, my husband and I had gone to an in-person, um, birth class when we were first pregnant in 2015 mm-hmm. and, you know, you forget some of that stuff. It was really helpful to us. So I thought this would be a really nice way to um, kind of go back through all those things and get a refresh. Mm-hmm. And so he was excited to do it. I think he felt so much more confident after we went through it. And I think he felt more connected to the pregnancy, to the baby and to me, to be honest. And we felt like we were on the same page. Like my husband is so good in pregnancy I always say he's like a man doula like I should rent him out because he's (laughs) so so good um and so I think he felt prepared and um when you're connected to your partner 
um, it makes you a lot stronger going into something so intense. Oh yeah. And so, and there's a lot in there, like for, for husbands. And I, I don't know if all moms like understand that there's pieces in there that are just for your partner, mm-hmm. um, and how they can support you. And, um, so that was really helpful. And then, um, I guess that my biggest worry too was also about high blood pressure because of all the stress. And so I didn't want to have to be induced. And so I knew that um, I would have to put in the work to ensure that that didn't happen. And the midwives were recommending for me to take um, low dose aspirin. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like the blanket recommendation for anybody who's had Uh, preeclampsia in one of their pregnancies. Mm -hmm. And I really felt strongly that I did not want to do that. Um, And so I knew I had to come up with other things that I could do. And I had um, done a lot of research through um, the, well, I had read um, Real Food for Pregnancy Mm -hmm. and um, the Weston A. Price Foundation. I had done research through them. And so this pregnancy, I actually was eating um, more animal products. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, I did the whole nutrition piece on your home birth Academy as well, which and, is very Weston a price based. <laughs> okay. And a lot of those foods are foods that I just didn't include in my diet and they're very nutrient dense foods. Um, and so I learned a lot and I changed a lot in my diet. Um, and I also started doing acupuncture Ooh. weekly and my acupuncturist is incredible. And he was so confident that, I would not have blood pressure issues if I was getting care from him throughout my entire pregnancy. And so he felt good to tell me that I didn't need to take the, um, the low dose aspirin and his confidence, like helped me make that decision. And so I will say my, my blood pressure was so low. It almost got too low at some point throughout my pregnancy. I don't think it ever got, you know, over 120 over 80. And at the end, I think it was like 120 over 80 at the very end. Wow. Um, other than that, it was always below that. And, um, I, I also did CrossFit, um, four to five days a week throughout the entire pregnancy. And that was hugely helpful for stress levels and for staying active. And I just have the best gym here in Maine and they really, um, cater to, um, the needs of pregnant women and just making sure that you're doing safe movements. Mm. Um, and so I had a really, this was like my best or easiest pregnancy of the three, even though I'm getting older, I felt like it was easier because of, um, all these little factors and some of the supplements I was taking, um, which I think helped as well were, uh, magnesium and, um, vitamin D and, um, fish oil mm. and, and iron too. And so I think that those, the combination of all this stuff, I think is what helped me to stay healthy the entire time. And so, um, yeah, I guess I'll go into. Yeah. You're how, how was the end of this pregnancy? Like you said, it was COVID mid COVID when you became pregnant. Um, so what was your experience as you were heading into labor? Did that, did that have any effect on anything at all? Or was it kind of just like background noise? Yeah, no, it was background noise. Um, I think it would have been different if I was going into the hospital. I think they are still Mm -hmm. testing people and all that. Um, But so what happened towards the end of my pregnancy, I had like a really overactive uterus to the point where I thought I was in labor like 
from weeks before I actually went into labor, Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of um, Braxton Hicks, but even stronger than that. And I felt like he was very, very low. Um, So I just kept thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to have this baby early. And turns out I didn't. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. So it was um, 40, 40 weeks and two days when I actually was really in labor. And so this I was, I had like convinced myself that it was going to be quick because I had all this pre-labor. He was so low. I was going to be at home. I wouldn't have to get in the car and drive somewhere. And it ended up being even longer than my last, um, birth, Mm. but, um, who knows when it really started though. That's the thing. (laughs) I don't know. I thought I started in labor on Thursday morning and then had him Friday night. Um, but I had been in labor for weeks, I feel like. So I don't know what the real time was, but uh, things got, so I knew Thursday, like this baby is coming because the the way that the contractions changed and I didn't know when, but I knew it was coming. And so that whole night I couldn't sleep and I was having very regular contractions. And then the next morning, I was surprised that I hadn't gone into like more active labor in the night. And so my husband had to work that day. And I said, you know, why don't you bring the girls to school and then go just go into work for a little bit and I'll call you back if I really need you. And I thought maybe it would be good to just be alone for a little while. And so while he was gone, I things picked up a little bit. And so I called him back pretty early on, like an hour after he left. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was a beautiful day. Like we we labored together. You know, we were just talking and we decided to order some lunch. And I remember from the time that we ordered the lunch to the time that it came, I didn't want it anymore. And so I knew something had changed and I felt like I needed to like get into the shower. And so I was kind of laboring the shower and this was like one o'clock on that Friday. And so he decided that we should um, call the midwife and just have her come over and, um, that way we'd have a better idea of when to call the other people that were coming. So the only other people that were coming were my sister and my mother. Um, But I didn't want to call people over too early. So um, one of the midwives, Brenda came and she uh, thinks by the time she got there and it was only like a half hour, I felt like things were, I was in active labor. Like I Mm -hmm. felt like this is getting difficult. I'm, you know, going more like internal And so I wanted her to check me and I'm not big on getting checked a lot, but I, I'm also don't want people waiting around for me. And so I wanted to just know where I was at to decide what I wanted to do moving forward. Mm -hmm. And when she checked me, she said, you're only about a two, maybe a three. And I was like, no, what? what? (laughs) I had been in labor for like over 24 hours. I mean, it was pretty, and it was getting intense. And, and I felt like it was more intense than when I went to the hospital the last time. And so I was doing a lot of that comparison game, right? which is not a good game to play in pregnancy because they're all very, very different. And so, um, I, I was frustrated and I told her I was frustrated. And so she was so kind and she said, you know, and I said, you might as well just leave because I, I, it's going to be a while. And she said, you know, sometimes having somebody around, um, makes you comfortable enough to get things moving. And so I'm not going to wait around, but I will go out and she's so cool. She has like a 
like this live-in van that she kind of hangs out in and she drives <laughs> her births. And so she's like, I'm just going to go hang out in my van and I'm just going to stay close and I'll come check on you in a little bit. And, you know, you just do your thing. And so she went out there and I was feeling discouraged. And so I kind of was like giving myself an internal pep talk, like, okay, this is what you wanted. You know, I, I had my affirmations written down and one of them was like, this is the birth you chose. This is the birth you want. And so mm-hmm. I kept saying that to myself, like I'm, I was trying to be grateful that I was getting what I wanted. And even though it wasn't going exactly how I wanted it to, I wanted to stay present. Um, and so I was digging deep into all the resources I had. And what, so one of those was um, from your happy home birth Academy. I ended up loving the relaxation tracks mm-hmm. and throughout my entire pregnancy. And one of them was, um, the fear one and overcoming fear. And so I knew that I need, and, and also I will say there's something about them that they like put you to sleep. They you to sleep <laughs> I don't know if it's the binaural beats or what, but I used to put it on an acupuncture and just like totally pass out. It's my soothing so, voice. Yes, <laughs> just kidding. Something about them and they're like the right length. And so I started playing those, um, And it was helping me. And so even like that night after the birth was over, my sister and my mom were so funny. They were like repeating the words because they they said they had heard it like a hundred times in a row and they were going to go crazy. And (laughs) they're like, no, we get it, but we know every word to that. (laughs) And what my sister's entire job was just like keeping it on repeat and not letting it shut off. Yep. That's an important task. Yes. It's very important. And you need the extra hands there for that. (laughs) And so, um, so I just started to kind of get into the zone a little bit and, um, a couple hours later, things definitely got more intense and we called over my sister and my mother and my girls, um, my sister, my other sister picked up my girls from school and brought them over to our house. Just she was, they were planning to sleep, um, at my sister's house. And so they just came to give me a hug and kiss. And when they were there, I was having a hard time like talking to them. And so I knew like once they left, things were going to probably pick up. And so, um, probably around like five o'clock, um, they, I felt like the contractions were on top of each other and there wasn't really a break. And so they, I decided I wanted to get into the water at that point. I really love like water when I'm in, in labor. Mm -hmm. And so my husband had filled up the tub and, I was looking at the birth notes. I think it was like maybe not until seven that I actually got in and I knew it would slow things down if I got into the warm water and it definitely did. And so that felt good. Um, and I was, it was a, it had been over 90 degrees for days leading up to that. And then on this particular day, it was like 60 mm-hmm. and there was a cool breeze coming in from the window and I was in the tub, but I was leaning, um, over the window and so the cool breeze was coming in and I was trying to in between just like say thank you for the breaks and look around and see the trees blow and so I felt like I was really even though it was really hard I felt like I was managing it Mm -hmm. and so (laughs) and then uh, as they got more and more intense and the baby started to move down I started to get really vocal and I, I don't remember getting like this in my last two labors, but I was just vocalizing through them in different ways, trying different things. And for whatever reason that really helped me. And so my poor neighbors, like, I think the entire neighborhood 
was traumatized. My husband said he was like, oh my gosh, if they, if anybody checks the trash with all the blood, they're going to think I like murdered you over here. It's just <laughs> crazy. And so for two hours, I was just, you know, basically screaming and moaning out the window. Um, so fortunately, all the neighbors that did here knew that it was a home birth going on. <laughs> they didn't call the Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I was only in the tub. It felt like for a really long time, but it wasn't actually that long. When I look back at the notes, it was a couple of hours, I think. Um, and at, at the end of, um, at the end of every contraction, I felt very pushy mm. and the, I felt, or I was pushing, I, I was pushing and I felt like, wow, I'm like already pushing. And then my midwife came up to me and she said, um, are you feeling pushy? And in my head, I was thinking, am I not pushing? Like, have, haven't we been pushing? Like, isn't this the pushing stage? And I didn't even say it out loud, but in my head, I was like, please tell me this is the pushing stage. Why are you talking about Linda? <laughs> right. What? And so she's like, let me just, um, check you do you want me to check you and I said fine and I and honestly this woman's checks like I didn't even feel her do this I don't even remember her doing it because she's so good at it um and she just said to me okay try to breathe through um that pushy feeling um and you've got a little bit of cervix left and thank god she worded it that way because at that point I guess I was only seven centimeters Mm. and um, however, this was a, like less than an hour before he came. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would have been so discouraged if I had heard that number. Right. So I'm, I, I was already discouraged that she said to try to breathe through it. Cause you know, you can't, um, but my water hadn't broken. So I think what was happening was the water bag was coming so far down that it was making me feel really pushy. Right. Um, even though he wasn't down there yet. Mm-hmm. And so, um, shortly after that, I felt him move down. And then I knew, um, that this was the real pushing stage. And so isn't that such a crazy feeling when it happens, like, and you, you feel that immediate sensation. Yes. And you yell, and I did this in both of my last two, two births. I said my butt, because that's where you feel it. And Mm -hmm. you know, so I knew when I said that, I'm like, okay, this is it. And And your midwives knew when you said that. And so, um, I was still in the water. I was still leaning over. I was very worried about tearing, um, because I had had such, um, such bad tears the first two times and, um, so much scar tissue down there. And so I had done a lot to try to prevent it. Like I did, um, perineal massage every week, if not even more often than that. And I was planning to be more of on my hands and knees to kind of take that pressure off of that side. Um, and that's how I was pushing. And then, um, I ended up turning over. I just like felt it was just instinctual to turn over. Um, and I, his head ended up coming out and it was like that pause for a moment. And I was thinking, okay, like I've done it. Like, because I remember my other two babies just flew out and I thought, wow, if I can, if I can have the head come out and then have that like pause to really stretch, then maybe it won't happen. Um, and so that his head was out and she said, I can see a little bit of a cord, you know, um, I'm just going to like pull it out, which she did so seamlessly. Um, and he ended up coming out on the next push 
and um yeah it was it was incredible I was so thankful for it to be over to be honest with you that it was like hard it's hard for me in that moment to be really present because I'm like you know just so in another world mm-hmm. um, and but I was trying so hard to just like not think about the pain and just think about my baby and um there's like this beautiful video that my sister has and just like my baby my baby yeah. and um it was just such a relief and so they they kind of quickly got me out of the tub just because the water was really um the water was pretty high and I was having a hard time like holding him mm-hmm. and so they just quickly moved me to the bed and then they I swear they were like little elves like <laughs> running around just cleaning everything up I don't know who cleaned or when I don't even remember any of that but everything was picked up and um sadly I did have like a second degree tear mm-hmm. um but I remember saying at the hardest part of pushing like I in my head I was like I don't care if I tear I just want this yeah. to be over I'm like so I brought it on myself no I totally get I totally <laughs> I know like, that I feeling <laughs> yeah so um so I did have to have some stitches but honestly like it wasn't something about being home and just being so supported by the people around you. Like it's, I, no matter how it goes down, I feel like as long as you're completely supported in the way that you give birth and the way you want to, and just respected that it ends up being a memory that's like not so negative. You know, I just, I already, it's been several weeks and I already like, I'm so, I I only have good memories of even when I was in that worst point when I'm finding out that I've totally teared and all of that. So, um, that's a great point. It, yeah. And well, also, I mean, think about this, you were in your own bed recovering yeah. versus last time you had to get in a car, drive to another hospital, walk back and forth from the NICU to the bathroom. Like what mm-hmm. a mess, what a mess. I, yes. And so I was so grateful. I may, I remember even thinking just in that moment and and even just like getting stitched up in your own bed, laying mm-hmm. there holding um, is just such a different experience. And they're not, um, and then they, you know, they um, tucked us in and they, you know, Brenda went back up to her van for a little bit, checked mm-hmm. on us and, and it was, there weren't nurses coming in and scanning the little tag on his ankle that they do like every hour and waking him up you know it just was so peaceful and he had that nice long sleep and it was just seamless and it was just so beautiful and like there's just something so beautiful about getting to that place in labor where you you literally think you can't go on and you think you know you can't do it and then you choose to continue on instead of trying to run from it or escape from it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was so incredibly hard that place to be in. And yet I would choose to do it that way, like a hundred times over again. Yeah. Oh, that's hard. such a good point. It's that moment of transformation. Like, I mean, it's, it is such a transformative time. Like you, you hit the wall and then you go past the wall. Like, and what a, yeah. What a yeah. powerful example of, of just what motherhood is, you know, like it's yes. the microcosm, microcosm, macrocosm concept of like, okay, well, how often in motherhood do we hit the wall? And then for our babies, for our families, 
we we keep going like we make it work we we continue and and to experience that in such a vivid powerful way for birth i think it makes all the difference yes like totally and and the other thing about the about midwifery care that i wanted to mention was my midwives were constantly asking me like what i what were my plans postpartum mm. and I, even the midwives that i saw through the hospital were not preparing me for postpartum in the way that these home birth midwives were. And, um, and even through the educational, um, happy home birth Academy that I did with you, there was so much on postpartum and we learned a lot and, um, we were able to have a plan this time versus the last two times of how we wanted that to look and what we wanted those first few weeks to look like and who we needed to support us and what we would eat and having opened the door for that conversation, uh, between me and my husband by, you know, taking that course together and then meeting with the midwives together, it really like helped us have a plan this time. And that has made all the difference in the world in my recovery and just how I felt overall. I felt so good. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes like postpartum um, depression or anxiety or stress, like you don't even know you're in it until you look back on it and you, um, you like, you can't even identify it. But when you don't have it, you can identify that you don't. Like I've, I've said so many times, like I feel so happy. Um, and I think it's because I've taken such great care of myself and I've been so prepared this time. And so um, it's been a really good experience postpartum as well, even, even though I have three under five. <laughs> <laughs> well, I may be getting a little teary-eyed over here. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's so encouraging to hear. And, and you just you worked for this. It didn't just plop into your lap. You know, you did things differently each time. And, and here you are with this, this beautiful experience and a family unit that is solidified and stronger through it. It's, it's beautiful to hear. Yes. It was like so healing and so like redemptive. Mm. So just, we're so happy. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear it. Amanda, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story with us. It has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Caitlin. It's a pleasure. Oh, it just thrills my heart to speak with HHA graduates who have achieved that happy home birth. As we head into this week's episode roundup, I want to discuss a few points further. Number one, Amanda mentioned how in her first birth, the simple act of asking questions to her OB brought out a side of defensiveness and anger from that care provider. When she was asked to sign a paper consenting to a cesarean while still pregnant, she knew things were not going the way she wanted. If this happens to you, please remember that you, like Amanda, can ditch that care provider and search for one who respects you as, oh, I don't know, a living, breathing, capable human being. Number two, I love how Amanda was able to use diet to help her body through her second and third pregnancies. I cannot stress enough just how much what we eat can influence our pregnancies, our babies, our births, and postpartum. This should not scare you. It should empower you. As she mentioned, we have a full module inside of Happy Home Birth Academy regarding robust pregnancy foods. Might I remind you of the crucial four salt that I discussed earlier in this episode? Home birth 10 is the special discount. This is perfect for pregnancy 
as far as nutrient density. And the Weston A. Price Foundation is an amazing place to start looking for more information. Number three, a quick note about the perineum. As I know, so many mothers are afraid to tear. The perineum was made to stretch. It was also made to heal. Remember that when you give birth physiologically, even if you do experience a tear, your body was designed to heal, just as Amanda's has with her most recent pregnancy. And finally, let's end where we began, affording your home birth. How do we do it? Well, we won't get into the weeds here of specific how-tos, though I highly recommend looking into health share plans like Samaritan if you aren't pregnant yet but know you'd like to have a home birth because they cover everything. But the depth of it is this. This experience is a vital one, and you need to be supported. Amanda did everything right in her second birth and yet still dealt with hospital staff who pushed a NICU stay and a whole heap of trauma. Value must be determined with more than dollar signs, though, of course, that is a factor. This is not to say that I don't understand the struggle. Trust me, I do. I just want to encourage you to be scrappy if you have to, ask for help on your registry, barter if you must, but remember that your experience is vitally important and you and your baby deserve to be supported. Okay, my friends, that's all I've got for you today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.